Acts chapter 3, we'll read 11 verses beginning in verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to present your word tonight, Lord. I'm asking that you would just bless my words, that you would anoint me, Lord, that as I present your word, that it would be uh, what you would have to be shared tonight, Lord, that our hearts would be challenged, that the idea of us going to same places and having the same routine in this new year would not just <clears throat> cause us to have the same outcome, Lord, but change our perspective. And God, it starts tonight in this place. In your name I pray, amen. Have you guys ever been around someone and spent any amount of time with them and you immediately just kind of hit it off? Like you could tell you're going to be friends for a long time. Anyone like that at all? Like right away, there's chemistry between you guys. I got to meet my nephew Jeremiah for the very first time in October or September. This is my, my wife's sister's, uh, her son. So they came to Columbus to visit. And I think we have a picture of me and Jeremiah. And we got to hang out. He's such a cute kid. And we spent a lot of time together. When Jeremiah was here at night, I would kind of give his mom a break. And I would sit out on the porch swing with him. And I would just talk about life with this little guy. Talk about football and girls and, and share all my wisdom that I had. And it took a couple minutes, but we had a good time getting through it, right? But me and Jeremiah, we bonded. I love spending time with him. This past week over Christmas and New Year's, we got to go to Atlanta where they live. And we got to spend time at Jeremiah's house. And so I figured that Jeremiah would obviously remember the bond that we had that Jeremiah would remember the good talks we had, all the wisdom I bestowed upon him, and Jeremiah and I could pick up where I left off. So immediately I rushed to Jeremiah and picked him up, and this is the face that I got. No more smiles, no more laughter. So maybe it's just because the room is full with people and there's a lot of excitement and the hustle and bustle, so let's give him a few minutes. And I picked him up again and... Again, I got this face. Maybe it would take a few days. No, it didn't take a few days. So now I'm holding out for maybe a few months until I get to see him again. There was a very quick change of perspective. Very quickly, Jeremiah went from liking me to now I'm not sure about this guy. And I want to present to you guys tonight that collectively, we need to determine that we need to change our perspective. 
And I'm not talking about your perspective towards me because I see it on your face. Some of you are like, I don't like you already, so I'm with Jeremiah. That's Robin, that's not what I'm talking about. There's always one in the crowd, always, at least one, okay? So, but we need to change our perspective. I'm referring to the fact that day in and day out, we go to the same places with the same perspectives. We miss opportunity after opportunity to change lives, to change communities, to change cities, to change states, to change our country, to change our world. Because we're so caught up in ourselves, we're so caught up in our day-to-day and what we have going on in our perspective of ourself that we don't see past that. In this passage, we find Peter and John, they're making their way into the temple. The temple was located in Jerusalem, and they're going to pray at the ninth hour. This would have been 3 p.m. in the afternoon. To say that this was a routine place for Peter would be an understatement. Peter and John were both in the original group that was called out by Jesus to do life and ministry with him. They've been to this temple many, many times. They have been to this place. They've gone through this routine. In fact, this possibly could have been Peter's third time in this one day to go and pray. As the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour were all set aside for private prayer at the temple. And many men during this day and age chose to pray at all three times because this was practiced by Daniel in the Old Testament. It was also written by David in Psalms 55, 17, evening, morning, and noon will I pray. So Peter is in a very familiar place, a place that was really just part of his routine. He's just living out his day-to-day weekly life like he normally would. And each of our lives consists of familiar places. Each of our lives consists of a routine. 2018 may be a year of change for you, but for many of us, the place that we work, the faces that we see, they won't change. The places we go to worship, the place that we get our coffee, the place that we drop our kids off at school, the place that we work out, the place that we grocery shop, these places, they're not going anywhere. They're going to stay the same. For many, of these pla- for many of us, these places stay the same, and the people we come in contact are the same. But we are on a mission to change the place. I'm not talking about switching from Starbucks to Tim Hortons. In fact, I would never tell you to do that. But you need to change the place that God has put you in. And it starts with a perspective change. Peter's going to the same place, practicing the same routine, but with a huge difference. He has been seen, or he has been going to the temple. He's been there before. He's seen the disease that sit outside the gate. You see, it was a common practice that the diseased, the lame, the paralyzed, they were not allowed to enter the gates of the temple because they were considered unclean. So they would sit outside of the temple gates, and they would beg for alms or for money, for silver, for gold. And so this was a normal occurrence. For Peter to see these people outside the gate, completely normal. Something that he's seen day in and day out. But now Peter goes through and something is different. We have no record of Peter noticing these people before. We definitely have no record of Peter healing someone through the name of Jesus Christ. So what changed in Peter's life? I wonder who in your life is broken. I wonder who in your life needs healing. 
I wonder who in your life needs change? Who in your life is just waiting for you to have a perspective change so that they can have a life change? You see, in Peter's life, three areas of his life had to change for his perspective to change. Number one, you have to embrace the grace. Embrace the grace. Peter's story is real. It's personal. Peter is me. Peter is you. Peter is us. If you read through the Gospels and you look at the life of Peter, it's very relatable. You'll find that Peter's life is full of ups and downs and wins and losses and victories and defeats, but it's a very personal story. It's one that is full of grace, love, and renewal. Jesus called Peter first in John chapter 1 after Andrew tells Simon that they have found the Messiah. Jesus sees Simon and and renames him Peter, and this means rock. Simon Peter is called again in Luke chapter 5, and there Jesus tells him to become a fisher of men. So Peter took a lot of risk, and the first risk was by following Jesus. And he would take more risk on his journey with Jesus as he tried to walk on water, which required him stepping outside of the boat. Peter went up the mountain and experienced the incredible event of Jesus' transfiguration. It was a rich and privileged moment. Peter also had a mouth, a big mouth, one that we read a lot about. And Jesus used, or I'm sorry, Peter used his mouth to proclaim the name of Jesus and that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, but he then used his mouth to deny Jesus Christ three times. Peter's denial, right after that, something changed. Something had died inside of Peter. It was a turning point in his life. Peter's own bold confidence and strength had left him. Peter failed. He knew that he had failed. He ran from the crowd that arrested Jesus. He didn't stand up. He didn't acknowledge Jesus as his friend or his master. He denied even knowing Jesus Christ. In fact, he couldn't even say his master's name when he denied him. As many of you know, after Peter's denial of Jesus, Jesus would go on trial. He would go on the cross. He would die. He would be buried. He would resurrect from that. And he would overcome death. Peter would return to fishing. Peter felt defeated. He felt unworthy to carry out the calling that God had placed on his life. So he returned to what he was comfortable with. The sad thing is in John chapter 21, you can read this passage and see uh, how Peter goes back to fishing. Peter wasn't even a good fisherman. Like Peter couldn't even choose a good a life career outside of being a follower of Christ. He couldn't catch fish. So Jesus arrives and in a familiar voice tells him to cast the net on the other side. Jesus would come back to Peter. This is what I love about Jesus returning to the disciples and to Jesus or into, and to Peter. He didn't come to scold him or punish him, but he went to heal him, to restore him, to renew him, and to forgive him. If Peter was to grow and become the rock that God would would use, then Peter needed this in his life. Because at this point, Peter feels like sand. He doesn't feel like an unmovable rock, but he feels like sand that just has been shifted by the wind and the waves. But Jesus is showing Peter grace. In John chapter 21, he recommissions him. He calls him again. So Jesus asked Peter if he loves him, 
and his responses empowers him to return to ministry. So we need to hear the story of Grace and Peter to watch him coming forth as a new man. We too need to know that the same story of grace is sufficient for you, it's sufficient for me, and for others in our life. So Peter embraced grace, much like Paul did when he wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you guys could turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. I wanted to give you a little background of who Peter was. I know you guys are um, in a familiar place, and you've probably heard that before, but I want you to understand fully where Peter is coming from. Paul writes, dealing with grace in verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. And then he says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Paul says, I'm the chiefest of sinners. I'm the least likely to be an apostle. I have no business being used by God, but by God's grace. Because of God's forgiveness, because of second chances, because God didn't pursue me to punish me, but he pursued me because he loved me. And he showed me grace. So therefore, I will do all that I can for Christ. I will preach Christ so that others will believe. Have you embraced your grace? Your story, it's different than Peter's. It's different than Paul's. It's different than mine. But you have a story. You have losses. You have defeats. You have a time in your life where maybe you just felt like you would never get back up again. But Jesus Christ reached down. And he picked you up and he established your feet and he set you on the right path. And you have a story to share. Jesus doesn't hold it against you. He isn't keeping a running tab on you. But his mercies are new every morning. His his mercy never runs out. His grace endureth forever. And he separates your sin and his mind as far as the east is from the west. So allow your grace to be embraced. Jesus doesn't chase after his fallen children to reprimand them, but he chases after them to restore them. He didn't ridicule Peter, but he renewed him. He didn't punish him, but he pursued him. Jesus had a special calling on Peter's life, and it took Peter to embrace the grace that was given to him in order for his perspective to change. Number two, if you're going to change your perspective, You have to tap into the power. Peter was in total shock when Jesus told him that he would no longer be on earth. That after his betrayal, the denial, the trial, the death, the the burial, the resurrection, that Jesus would raise from the grave, that he would see them uh, once or twice more, and then he would ascend into heaven for the very last time. Like, this is it. Peter is taken back by it all, and I'm sure speechless. He's just thinking to himself, like, you told me to follow you, Jesus, but now you're leaving me. How am I supposed to do this? How will I be your follower if you're no longer here? Jesus proceeded to explain that although he was leaving, that he would send the great comforter, the Holy Spirit, not just to be with Peter, but that he would live inside of Peter. We find that in um, Acts chapter 1, we'll be there in just a moment, in verse 8, that we'll see exactly uh, what Jesus says as he leaves the Holy Spirit with them. 
but that the Holy Spirit would go everywhere with Peter. That the Holy Spirit would comfort, guide, encourage, convict, and simply just be with Peter 24-7. My little girl, she's four years old, and I love tucking her in at night and praying with her. And um, she's like very, very inquisitive and very thoughtful when it comes to God. She retains a lot of knowledge um, when it comes to her, the teachings that she has here. And so when we pray to Jesus, oftentimes after we pray, she'll say something like, Daddy, did you know that Jesus is God's son? And I'll say, yeah, I did. I did know that. And she'll always follow up with a question and she'll say, Daddy, but do you know where Jesus is? And I've caught myself sometimes because I will say, Jesus is in heaven. And she says, no, Daddy, Jesus is with us. Sometimes it takes a four-year-old to understand, for us to fully understand the awesome blessing that we have, that we have God, our creator, our provider, our father, the one who is omnipotent, omniscient, he is holy inside of us. The Muslims can't say that, the Buddhists can't say that about their God, but our God has sent himself to be with us. 24-7. But you have to tap into the power. I remember this past spring, we were raising money for camp, and a lot of you guys were here, so you probably remember, I brought out a bulletin board, kind of, a whiteboard with the teenagers, and we put it down front, and it had envelopes on it with 1 through 125, and you guys would pull envelopes and donate money. Well, when I brought it out, I think it was Christian and maybe Ryan or another team were helping me, and we set it up, and they had one job, like, I will make it look nice, you guys just plug it in. Can you just plug it in? Because I put LED tape lights all around it and it was going to flash. And I mean, it was the sales pitch. Like I was going to talk it up, but the lights were really going to sell it. And people were going to grab envelopes because of the lights. So all they had to do was plug it in completely. I'm pretty sure it was Christian because I see him smiling. I don't know who the other teen was. He's pointing to Ryan and Logan. They're all pointing fingers. That's what teenagers do. But we set it up and the lights didn't work. And I remember being kind of upset, and I talked to Richard. I'm like, man, your outlets don't work. What's the problem? And he's like, it wasn't plugged in all the way. We had power here, but it wasn't plugged in. And in order for your perspective to change and see other people around you in their need, you have to tap into the power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Verse 9 continues, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Like if they didn't believe Jesus Christ before, the way that he just left earth uh, in a cloud that just took him away. Like that's pretty amazing. And so Jesus Christ explains that the Holy Ghost is now coming upon you. That now you have the opportunity to have me with you. You will be indwelt and you're on a mission as witnesses for Christ in Jerusalem and the surrounding cities and to all the world to preach Jesus Christ. He then continues in verse 13, and this is where um, Peter really begins to tap into the power. And when they were come in, 
they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and he and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. We'll read two more verses. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of names together were about 120. So before the day of Pentecost began, before the sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind was played, before cloven tongues of fire, before 3,000 people accepted Christ as their Savior, these men were told, the Holy Spirit is coming to be part of your life to indwell you. And immediately... They go into their upper room, into their church, and they pray with prayer and supplication, 120 of them. They wanted to tap into the power that God had given them. I was a little unaware of prayer and supplication. Like, I know we read it a lot together, but to me, kind of prayer and supplication always meant the same thing. In this passage, I kind of dove into a little bit more. Prayer would mean that they spent time praising God and thanking God, thanking him for the grace that they have received, thanking him for the calling on their life. And supplication would mean that they humbly and earnestly begged and pleaded with God for something, for an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They passionately asked God for the Spirit to fill them, that they would be used by God. I wonder, when was the last time that we humbly, earnestly, passionately asked God for anything? Anything, let alone the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of times we earnestly and passionately ask God for maybe more money to make sure the bills get paid or there's something that we really want or a promotion at work, but to fill us with His Spirit? 120 people in a room, praying, tapping into the power that God had given them, the Holy Spirit. So to change your perspective, you must embrace the grace, tap into the power, and thirdly, own your purpose. The grace is remarkable, the power is unthinkable, but the purpose, man, the purpose is just, it's unchanging. You see, we all have one main purpose. We have one mission, We have one goal. We're on the same team doing the same thing, being witnesses, reaching others for Christ, changing someone's life by sharing Jesus with them. Until Jesus returns or until Jesus calls you home, it doesn't matter if you're eight or if you're 80. If you're a follower of Christ, your job, your mission, your purpose is to create more followers for Christ. You've been called, you've been commissioned, you've been indwelt, you've been empowered, You have been shown grace so that you can share grace. That's the problem. We like embracing the grace, but we fail to extend the grace. We have been shown grace so we can share grace. Your purpose is to point others to Christ. What's so amazing to me is that Peter was still focused on the next one after he probably felt like he could retire as a Christian forever. You understand that in chapter 2, is the most, like, biggest day of revival that had ever happened. Peter and those that were called by God, those 120 asked for God to do something special, and he did something amazing. In chapter 2, there was 3,000 people 
that sat under the voice of Peter and he declared to repent from your sins. He preached a message and 3,000 people accepted Christ. And it's just a chapter later that as he's making his way to the temple, he could have easily felt like a celebrity. He could have easily felt like I've arrived as a Christian, that I have the Holy Spirit's power. He could have easily felt like he didn't need to reach out to a beggar, to a lame man that's been lame since the day of birth, that in that uh, culture understand they are unclean. He's, He's not even someone that he should hug, let alone help in this situation. Yet Peter was very thoughtful of him. Peter was after the next one. He said, I may be going to a familiar place, I may be going to the same place, but he had a new perspective. He's going to look around him. He's tapped into the power. He's ready to be used by God. The Holy Spirit led him to a lame man, a man that didn't have anything to give to society. He actually relied on others to carry him to the gate. In verse 2 of chapter 3, they carried him there daily, every single day. He relied on them and he asked for money. He asked for alms. Peter was very aware of the situation. Peter shared Jesus with him and his life was changed forever. He never walked before and now he's leaping, he's walking, he's praising God. So for us as a church collectively, 2017, it was a great year. We've seen hundreds saved through our ministries, through VBS, camps, um, missions trips, Easter. Like God really blessed. I don't know the exact number of how many um, accepted Christ, but I know that we had many accept Christ, many follow and believers baptism, many joined the church. God had blessed, God blessed us in 2017. But we're not done. We still have more to do. We still have a purpose. We still have a mission. And that's to go get the next one. There's still going to be messages that pastor needs to deliver. There's still going to be songs that the choir needs to learn. There's going to be Sundays that our greeters need to show up. There's going to be opportunities in Easter around that time for actors to step up. Pastor Dave, we need the stage. I know you hate hearing that word, but it's almost time. We need to put the stage back up. We need a script written because 2018 is here and we have a purpose. And our purpose is not just to gather and thank God for what he's done, although we will do that. But we're going after the next one. We're going after the next teen, the next kid that will be in junior church, the next adult that they they feel like their life is just in shambles and there's no way they can put it back together. And the truth is they can't, but God can. And so who in your life do you see all the time in the same place, all the time, daily, weekly, Look at verse 4 with me. Look at verse 4 of uh, Acts chapter 3. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, the lame man with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Who in your life is expecting to receive something from you? This man expected silver and gold. Your boss expects a report done at a certain time. Uh, Your waiter expects you to leave a tip. Um, People in your life, they expect something. Peter said, I don't have what you're looking for. I don't recommend you say that to your boss. Like if your boss needs that report, give it to him. But give him Jesus too. I don't have silver and gold, but this is what I have. 
This is better than silver and gold. This will change your life. I also love that in this passage, if you remember, we'll look at it again. We have plenty of time. Let's look at it. In chapter 3, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he's talking about the people marveling. He answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Wouldn't it be amazing that if people in Columbus, people in your circle of life, people that are in your sphere of influence, they just stepped back and they just couldn't stop staring? And they were just looking at Fellowship Baptist Church or this Christian or that Christian and what is going on here? Because these people saw that this man is leaping, he's jumping, he's praising God. What is going on? Peter had the awesome opportunity to now transition from changing this one man's life to now preaching a message of how Jesus Christ changed his life and how Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And let's go to Acts chapter 4 and let's look at verse 4 or verse 3. And they laid hands on them. This is talking about the multitude of people that did not believe what Peter and John were saying, that believed that it was false teaching. They laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day. So basically they stayed in jail for a night. For it was now evening tide. Verse 4. How be it many of them which heard the word believed. Do you know that sharing Jesus has like a chain reaction effect. Pastor talked about at the beginning of the year when we went through Acts or the beginning of the fall. Uh, in the book of Acts, God uses the word added, that he added to the church daily, that they were in one accord and he added. And then later on, I believe it's chapter six, he uses the word multiplied, that now it just caught fire. Do you understand that you witness to one person, they have a family and they accept Jesus Christ and then they share Jesus with their family because they just can't, uh, embrace the grace without extending the grace and it's a chain reaction I know our teenagers shared this story because I shared a lot we have a teenager in our youth group his name's Seth and he invited one of his friends to come to our church uh, she goes to school with him at Canal she came to church her name's Madison great young girl and she's very faithful on Wednesday nights Madison a few weeks later brought her brother and her sister her brother and sister were in church for the first time and Pastor Tony was with us and he preached about real worship and how to come before God in worship is to engage in a relationship and they accepted Jesus Christ. Do you see what happened? Seth invited a friend who brought their family members and two people accepted Christ and it's really because Seth invited. So for 2018, your perspective, what faces do you always see at the same places? Who's on your mind right now? People are hungry. The people that you think like want nothing to do with God are probably the ones that want the most to do with God. I was just at the gym this week and the manager there is a 19-year-old kid and, and I invited him to come to church this year and we got together yesterday and spent some time together and he committed that in 2018, he's going to come to church, 19 years old. I just shared with you uh, the stats that only 10% of Americans from 15 to 29 want anything to do with church. I just invited him. He's going to come. Who in your life needs help? Who in your life can you be the change for? If you don't embrace the grace, if you don't understand all that God has done for you, take time to reflect on it. 
Tap into the power. Spend time asking God for him to guide you and direct you. Tap into the power. And then lastly, just make sure you own your purpose. It's all about the next one. We love you guys. We're going to shower you and spend time with you with blessings and stuff, with lunch and the volunteer appreciation day. We couldn't do it without you. But as a team, we're going to motivate each other that this year we're going after the next one.